You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, Our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanow, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey everyone, welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I have the pleasure today of being with Veronica Garcia Melendez. Welcome. Hi. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So Veronica, um, locals might know, she's half of the local synth band Barrow Barrow, which was formed in 2018. And I love this description of you guys on your site. You're described as Sade meets Kate Bush. So she's half of that group, and the other member is David Murray. Um, so Veronica, I just wanted to start out. Oh, and just so everybody knows, we did play songs by Bureau Bureau. If you were listening to our Thanksgiving show, we played songs from their EP Dance, which is from 2020, and they have another EP set to release soon, which is exciting. We'll definitely talk about that. So Veronica, um, we never met when we both lived in New York, but we were living in New York at around the same time. Can you tell us uh, what your life was like musically there before you came to Savannah? Sure. Um, when I lived in New York, I kind of bit off more than I could chew as far as uh, commitments and I, I think I was just working so hard to make money like as a working musician yeah. that it was hard for me to cut out a lot of creative time and have creative space because I was you know I had like like hundred students whether it was like private students or group classes plus I was like in four bands Um, some of the bands were like for money you know Um, and then a couple of bands were more like creative projects but still it was I don't know never could really take the time to kind of focus in on any one thing yeah because yeah because, I mean, New York is a lot, so... Yeah, so stressful. And the bands that were for making money, do you mean by doing live performances or, like, selling albums? Oh. Yeah, like, playing live gigs that paid well, but okay. they weren't necessarily, like, creative projects. Yeah. Like, either they'd be, like, jazz cover gigs or, like, rock cover gigs. Um, and it wasn't, like, making your own music. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? interesting. That's what the music was. And then doing lessons is, like, the majority of... Yeah, work. and so then that like doing the lessons and all that cut down on being able to get into projects that would maybe go on the road and stuff like that because, yeah. uh, you know, the students and the kids, you have to be very committed to their schedules and yeah, like the major thing with teaching children is consistency. Okay. Uh, and it's real, apparently really disruptive to their learning if they have inconsistent anything yeah so you know um obviously children grow up with inconsistencies in their families but like so educators try to really whatever's going on at home at least that you know education is consistent and we need to set that example and that expectation plus if I'm not showing up to teach I won't make that money yeah so it was like that's a really that's a really interesting point so you couldn't your priority couldn't be yourself and like just taking off and doing touring yeah yeah yeah. and I mean um you know I think I just if I I moved there when I was kind of older too so maybe if I moved there like at 20 
it would have been different. Yeah. Um, it was just more... With infinite energy. <laughs> yeah, and less uh, responsibility as far as, like, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. I, you know, paying off things and... Yeah, <laughs> you're older, you have more weights on you. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you moved to Savannah, I know you had family who moved here too. Had you been kind of like looking for a way to get out of New York and be somewhere easier? Um, actually, the my New York opportunities were actually growing a lot, um, especially as an, as an educator and like a, you know, community member in the arts and stuff. And... I was actually, and even some music like opportunities. Think actually, things were going really well. That they're yeah. actually and going in the positive direction. Um, the thing was though is like I was so like busy working all the time that um, I felt lonely a lot. Mm. Um, this is so funny. I wasn't expecting you to ask me these questions. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, I felt like if I was going to, um, if I if I was going to leave New York, that was the moment to do it. Otherwise, I would be there the rest of my life, and yeah. I didn't want to live in New York for the rest of my life. Yeah. I actually ended up in New York kind of not intentionally, so... It wasn't some place that I dreamed of living. Um, yeah, I don't regret living there. It was awesome, and I had a great time, and you know, a lot of wonderful things got, I got out of that experience. Um, but like, it was just kind of like I had to make a decision, like my long-term goals. And to your point, when you walked in about how Savannah's changing. <laughs> A bunch of people from New York are have moved here now, so I'm glad I moved when I did when everything in Savannah was cheaper. <laughs> That's how I felt about being in New York too. It wasn't ever my dream to be there lifelong, so I'm glad I did it. So on my deathbed, I can say I tried it. But yeah, it well, and forever. you moved at the right time too, right? Yeah. If you move now, you know it. it you wouldn't yeah, have the setup and the lifestyle that you have. Yeah, um, yeah, and also and just to get back, the reason that I kind of ask, I feel like there's a lot of uh, crossover amongst creatives between Savannah and New York and quite a few people who kind of have bounced back and forth between the two. So yeah. I think it's really interesting to ask people about their experience in both places because there's a lot to mine out about like the difference in your artistic life being somewhere that's super competitive and has like infinite possibilities versus somewhere that's smaller but is maybe easy can be easier to get a niche yeah I mean well moving here I got a chance to um, focus in on what I wanted to do creatively and you know kind of find my own voice as a musician because before I was just playing you know any gig I could get um, to make money yeah so much of it is just making money to get by yeah yeah Um, and then here no one really knows me as a like gigging musician really you know what I mean uh but I mean and sometimes I feel like no one calls me for that kind of thing but it's like uh, you know I used to do that yeah you know I used to play all kinds of genres um you know all kinds of events and stuff like that I mean at some point I think I'm you know when I get like old like maybe I'll yeah branch out and like do, but I don't know <laughs> right now I'm just like really into focusing on original music and 
even with um, the Maxines, um, you know, it's like another original music project. So, uh, and yeah. then Savannah's allowed for that because I don't have to, I found other ways of just to supplement my income so that I can just focus on making the music that I want to make. Yeah, it's cool you were able to, you came here and you could just like create your entire musical identity that you wanted to. Um, what was your, so did you arrive here, was it like 2017? Mm, like 2015. Okay, so what was your first, what were your first impressions of music scene and downtown and everything? Well, yeah, so in New York, I would go on Craigslist and find gigs and projects and things to be involved in. Mm. I mean, obviously, that also is just telling of the time because no one cares about Craigslist now. <laughs> but um, back in like, you know, from 2010 or whatever. Um, yeah, that was the way you were finding things. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, you get like some connection on Craigslist that would open up other connections to other gigs, yeah. opportunities, whatever. That's good that it wasn't all just scams on Craigslist, yeah. but real things. Yeah, no, I mean, in New York, yeah, I got a lot of work off of Craigslist. So I moved here, and I went on Craigslist. <laughs> and it was, like, not really anything going on. Yeah, there's, like, for, one post every two days. Yeah, for music, like, not really many gigs or opportunities. Yeah. Um, and so that was really scary transition, and I ended up getting like a, a part-time like day job kind of situation, which I hadn't worked in a really long time. Wow. Um, because I was like, oh, this is going to be a little more difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, Your standard way of going about it was not yeah. going to be the same thing here. Yeah. So what did you discover? Would, would you go out and just network with people and meet them, or was it like listings on bulletin boards and stuff? I was, yeah, networking at shows and meeting people at shows and yeah. stuff. Um, and, uh, well, I mean, I did meet um, the first musician friend I met in town um, was off of Craigslist, but that's because he moved here from New York, too, so <laughs> he's probably used to Amazing. Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> so then, like, that kind of, you know, got me into where to go. Like, he has been here longer, so he knew, like, the spots yeah. where to go and where meet other people. Back then? Um, well, the, the first place I ever got on stage was the wormhole. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, at like an open mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so like the first person I met in Savannah that did any music uh, was Andy Sutfin from Street Clothes, and so uh, I just went over like to audition for the band yeah. and then like learned a bunch of their songs and then we went to open mic and so it was like this first night I went to any sort of practice in Savannah I, I went on stage oh you just went straight out yeah wow was that an audition for you <laughs> so well I mean it was just fun because it was like that's cool you know uh got to learn songs like run through the songs and then go yeah. try them out at a venue I'd never heard of you know, yeah, love, like, love uh, first. <laughs> yeah, like okay, a lot of learning things to learn tonight. Like, it's, and then after that night, were you like, okay, you're in street clothes? Um, yeah, I mean, I I was, um, I was, I was playing with them, sort of, and like kind of seeing what's going on, and then, yeah. um, 
as we got into that was like actually I moved here at the end of 2014 okay. so that was like the end of 2014 then getting into 2015 is when David got audition got in the band and then I liked playing with him yeah. especially like we had this real connection huh. so then we were both like real steady members of that band for yeah. Did you, yeah. you playing keyboards for them? Yeah, yeah. So how would you um how would you guys write songs together? Would you write the music and then the lyrics would come later? Well, for Street Clothes, I mean, Andy would come up with with you know he'd write things on guitar and stuff like that, and then um, as a group we would come up with the songs. But then at some point we transitioned, and then it was kind of like David and I arranged um, a lot of the songs, and then with Andy and like one of the records it was just me David and Andy and and the engineer like there okay. wasn't even other band members okay <laughs> just really stripped down yeah yeah and we recorded the album and then found people after to play it live and then like the oh. band like built up again oh what were the other instruments you needed to fill in then um bass and guitar okay yeah so you guys were the core people, and then yeah. the live shows, you found these other... Yeah, and then, I mean, but then it was a full band again. It was yeah. just, like, for a minute there, for about, like, a year and a half or so, That's there wasn't... a substantial <laughs> amount of time. There wasn't, like, a whole band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you... Is that when you started learning about, like, you, you mentioned arranging and, like, the music production and kind of the electronic back end of that stuff? Is that when you started? Yeah, because I feel like, yeah, in this... Um, at Dollhouse, uh, Dollhouse Productions, Peter Mavagiorgis... Uh, his studio that used to be over out uh was that out Skidaway? No, it's uh, you go down Liberty, Louisville Road. Oh, okay. Yeah, Louisville Road. Out I say Louisville because my mom's from Kentucky. Yeah. So I don't say Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, he had like a warehouse space out there. And so I'd say from I want to say 20, 2016, maybe 2015, 2016, 2019 or so, I spent a good amount of time over at that studio, Okay. not just on my projects, but like going over and recording on other people's um, albums that like, you know, that needed players that Peter would recommend me and like, oh, okay. they'd hire me to come in and play like or sing. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit like what you were doing in New York where you're like hired in for specific yeah. gigs and things. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, but it was in a studio. So I lot learned a lot more about engineer production yeah. engineering and while I was in there um, doing all that and then also just like helping um, work on albums, other people's stuff that even... I just would go and hang out. What What are all the instruments that you play? Um, well, I, my main is keys. Uh, I grew up with guitar in my house, so I kind of get around on a guitar okay. And then um, I recently picked up bass, which was that album that we did just the strip down as I ended up playing bass on that. Huh. Yeah, and then um, uh, David encouraged me to start playing percussion, and so that's kind of it started in street clothes, the percussion yeah. stuff a little bit, and so that's when when Barrow Barrow started, like we just kept adding more percussion parts, more percussion for me to play. So what is the name of so the like, and when I see you perform the drums that you play, it's not like a drum set. What is that called? Sure, I have some timbales. Okay. Yeah, and then I have like blocks and cowbells, 
and shakers it. and now we added <laughs> this symbol right here it's such a cool unique sound it's nice to hear just the names of things <laughs> for all of us who are not <laughs> trained musicians yeah how is it so you said sometimes they'd call you into like pinch it as a vocalist in other bands that sounds intimidating how how did you find that um i find that i miss uh having a studio to go hang out um, and, yeah because he closed and moved to atlanta and there hasn't been anything kind of take the place of that um new stuff's popping up but like you know he was like a friend of ours and like had played with us on different things and so it was like cool to yeah. go over there and um yeah and i would just learn by watching him um mix other people's stuff or even um like street clothes like the first albums first like first album ever uh, I was the only person in the band that would show up to every mixing session and just like, and I didn't say anything. Yeah. Like just observing. Yeah. Just observing. And then the more I was in the studio, the more confidence I built, um, and understanding I built. So that way I started having ideas and started being able to express them. Yeah. You know? But at first I would say zero and just like, watch. <laughs> Were people amenable to your ideas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then that's what led into Barrow Barrow, where I yeah. started producing my own music and um, on my computer. And um, at first, it was just like on a laptop with like GarageBand or whatever. And yeah. then I would take those uh, sessions into um, into the studio, and then he would help make it into a full mix. So, and uh, he would record uh, drums. Peter would record the drums okay. and my vocals. And so now I since the pandemic like i've got like a home set set up going and we've recorded um drums i can record my own vocals yeah so so working on your new ep it's here in your home yeah, studio yeah 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 okay so at some point in there you were doing you started out doing it just yourself and peter helping you mix and then david joined in with you for barrow barrow i guess something like that okay yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, how long did you guys, uh, how long did it take before you started uh, playing live? So I wrote the first EP by myself. Oh. Uh, David and I were like in a fight. You just did. <laughs> and then I was like, yo, I got this EP. Do you want to go <laughs> play on it in the studio? And then he was like, okay. And so then we got back together. But um, yeah, so that first one... He didn't. He didn't really. He just came and played on it. Yeah. But then after that, done that whole thing. We, then after that, we were working together. Is the yeah. sound on that one you think pretty different than subsequent ones because of that? Um. I don't think it's because of that. I mean, there's but part of maybe part of the reason the sound is a certain way is because of that. But yeah. I mean, there's a lot of I think elements to things being changing. Yeah, and we can also, like, now if you want, we could drop in a song from it if you want. Okay, yeah. So this song, the, so this song from our first EP, it's called Quiet Eyes. It's basically, like, the song that is most filmed at, like, shows. Like, that's, this is... Oh. For, so then it's, like, when we want to share clips of us playing that people tagged us in. Yeah. It's, like, I kind of quit because... A lot of times, it's this same song huh. that, for some reason, it. This is what people usually post about this, you guys. Yeah, this is like the song that they're like, "Oh, I want to take a video." Oh. And and we're like, okay, I'm glad you like this song, but 
we want to share like other songs. Others, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, well now I can't wait to hear it so I can try to figure out why that might be. song hmm. like just like it's a very simple like dance drum beat it's like, I a mean, pocket drum beat a pocket drum beat yeah what like, is that I don't, I don't know but <laughs> it's just like you know it's like not complicated okay it it's just like has a good groove to it it sounds like it it makes me think of motion it feels like a galloping horse and then yeah. the singing on it is just just so catchy and beautiful and it just it, it sounds like a hit like yeah. i can see why people are sharing that one and dancing to it yeah, so that's off the the first EP. Yeah, um, and it's really upbeat. People can just dance easily, and I like. I mean, your songs are. It's really cool how they you describe them on the site. How some of them are dancey, and then they are also a little bit like gothy, dark. You know. Yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, actually, on that first EP, I um, three out of the four songs on it, I actually like. Um, what do you call it? I tracked my own. <clears throat> I tracked the drum beat myself. Okay. Just for reference. So I, I mean, I basically wrote the drum beats for for. I mean, like for that song. That's probably why it's so simple. <laughs> what does that mean? Like you're hitting keys. Like to yeah, I used a like I I didn't even use like a sample like a sample. Yeah. I I like literally on the keyboard hit the bass, hit the snare, hit oh. the hi hat. You know, and made like my salsa yes. beats. Did the drumming on the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So I wasn't using like a pre-made sample, just for people who don't know. It's like, you know, you can have sample banks of drum beats and the, they'll just have all these different drum beats saved yes. that you can set on a track and loop yes. throughout a song. But um, I've never used those before, but, I, but for this first EP, because I was making it all by myself, kind of as a way to like lure David back. <laughs> <laughs> into my life we because like I said we were kind of fighting and on off we were maybe kind of broken up I don't know but um but yeah so I made these drum beats <laughs> and then I was like here's the beat and yeah then, like when we got to the studio it's like here's the beat I mean I sent him the tracks in advance I was like do can you will will you play on these yeah, yeah. but he had like my little beats that I tapped in on yeah. this. Yeah, I love this, like, your finger. It's like, yeah. like pigeon typing <laughs> yeah. or pigeon pecking, making the drums. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, only, um, like, the fourth song, or the song called Say Nothing was, like, the drum not fully conceived yet. That song okay. was, that like, half written write, that we basically. kind of finished it yeah. together. So we kind of did the drums on that. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. I like when you talked about earlier about on a keyboard, keyboard how there's like sort of pre-recorded little drum tracks that you can just hit. I, when I was little, had like a little 
kids, Cassia or whatever, yeah. and there were, it was really cute. There was this whole lineup of words that I barely knew what they were, and it was like rumba, samba, yeah. bossa nova, and you'd hit it, and like it a play. different type of beat would play, and I loved it so cool. So I can only imagine how um, intricate they are now. Yeah, so that, like, that is, like, a more, like, a sample, like, yeah. a sample bank where they have a style of rhythm that's, like, already all the part, like, every, like, the whole beat is played. Yes. Yeah. And then you as a child could play on top of that, but yeah. it was fascinating. I loved just, like, hitting the different ones and being like, these are all so different. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But on a keyboard, though, you can really put on a percussion setting, and each different key is a different drum or cymbal. Wow. Yeah. So, and then even if you... If you can do the keyboard sounds of those, or if you're using MIDI, like it'll still respond. It'll have like a kit, different kits, MIDI kits, and each key will respond like like this. This is the bass drum key. Yeah. This is the hi hat. That is a lot programmed in to yeah. a keyboard. Yeah. Well, you can either do it from the keyboard, or you can do it MIDI and control it from the keyboard. Yeah. yeah. People probably don't know how many just how many possibilities there are with this. Oh yeah. 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 That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your first EP? Yeah. And then how was it, um, was, was Hangfire open at that point when you lived here? Was that a place yeah, where you guys Yeah, yeah, but, um, but Barrow Barrow never played there. Okay. Um, it closed before I started Barrow Barrow, but Street Clothes played there. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, uh, seeing, um, this band French Horn Rebellion there during Stopover 2015, I think. Um, the first I, the first year I went to Stopover the, was 2015, and I was yeah. a volunteer. Oh. And uh, and Hangfire was one of the venues. Hank, I think that was the last year Hangfire was in it. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad you got to overlap with Hangfire a bit. Yeah. And yeah. I know El Rocco is a really common place for you guys to play now. Yeah. It, yeah. And I've played El Rocco... Um, with different groups too, yeah. you know. I mean, I've still done other projects and done other things um, and been on other records and stuff like that. Um, not to say that since moving to Savannah, I haven't collaborated with, you know, other people on their music because I have. Yeah. Um, it's just that I haven't done it as much as before because it's it's like now I can pick and choose what I want to do versus yeah. like just saying yes to everything. Yeah, in New York, you have to take every opportunity, yes. like every yeah. dollar, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so what were, I'd love to hear, just sort of like, at that era, the other places, would you go to the Jinx? Was that... Yeah, I love the Jinx. Yeah. 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 They'll reopen. Huh? They'll reopen. Soon. Yeah, they'll, I know. They have a spot. <laughs> I'm just remembering myself at the Jinx one night, stumbling in there. <laughs> Um, I have a lot of memories. Getting up on, uh, getting up on the stage <laughs> during karaoke. It was one of those nights where it was like eight people in there. <laughs> and uh, which one did I sing? Uh, I think I sang "Crazy." Patsy Cline. Yeah. Crazy. Is that one of your go-to karaoke? No. Oh. <laughs> that's just where I was at the okay. moment, stumbling in at oh. I am. Got up there, sang that, and then like left. And then left. <laughs> like, oh. That's a whole mood. There goes Veronica. What's going on with her tonight? <laughs> yeah, that's a certain kind of night for sure. <laughs> I remember going to the Jinx a lot on um, Thursdays. They used to do 80s dancing, and it was like ladies' night. Oh. And you, you know, dollar drinks, you need to get up on the stage and dance. And... That's probably before my time. That was, I don't yeah, think that, that was, was even around by the time I showed up. Yeah, that was the, when I lived in Savannah the first time. So it was like 
2005 to 2010. Yeah. It was a lot of 80s dancing. Well, and so my sister moved down here, like, early 2000s or whatever. Yeah. So I was visiting every year for the holidays. Um, or sometimes I'd come in the summer to go to the beach or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was familiar with Savannah to a certain extent. So it's not like I was moving here blind yeah, and didn't, nice. you know, know anyone or anything. Yeah. yeah. Did your sister, when you did move here, would you uh-huh. and your sister... Um, go out a lot to the same places? Is she kind of into the same kind of things? No, my sister thought it was weird that I was here. Oh. <laughs> like, thought it was weird that you would leave New York, kind of? She just, it was just funny. Like, <laughs> no, and it took a minute for her to, like, get used to me being here. Oh, yeah. all right. It was funny. Because we had lived in the same city in a really long time. Yeah. And she's used to... She's 10 years older than me, too. Yeah, so so she different. moved out when I was eight. Wow. So it was one thing when you would come visit her and go out a bit, but different for you to be here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, like, we totally don't really run in the same circles at all, so. Um, yeah. There's been some, like, overlap, but in general, you know, she has. When you were, when you were kind of were early here, like, 2014 and 15 and stuff, I know that even when I lived in Savannah before, they were always talking about Starland being the next thing and the next oh, neighborhood. Oh, yeah. But it took a very long time for it to actually have a lot of businesses open and for it to be, like, a place that everybody would go. I mean, the wormhole has been there forever, and that was... But they were kind of pioneering. It was, like, the wormhole and Sulphur Studio and not a lot around there then. Well... Yeah. We are going to take a quick break. I'm here with Veronica Garcia Melendez, one half of Biro Biro, and we will be right back. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, The impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey everyone, welcome back to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and again, I have Veronica Garcia Melendez, half of 
local beloved band Barrow Barrow and also the Maxines. Welcome back. Um, and we were just talking during the break, this was very cool about just like the process of creativity and art and me saying about doing these interviews, how it's just like in music where you come in and you have kind of an idea and a framework and then it's going to go off where it's going to go and then in the end you're kind of editing something together. But you were talking, it's so interesting, the idea of how you're always working collaboratively and there's only, you won't, you know, you can only really control your space of it. Right, yeah, I was thinking comparing to, you know, Savannah's full of visual artists and how most of you guys work by yourselves. Yeah. Um, and how being a musician, uh, it's like you don't, it's usually collaborative and you don't have 100% control of the outcome and you have to learn to work with others um, and how when you're saying you're doing the interviews, it's like something happens you're not expecting and it's like, the same with music, someone just comes in with this other totally awesome idea yeah. and then, you know, the song shifts into this new direction or something like that. And so, you know, even though I think that there, I mean, I know for myself, um, although I've spent a lot of time working with others, um, you know, the Vera Vera project is a lot just me. So, um, is that, do you, is it like, when you get in the studio and you guys are, you've already like pre-written these things, but now you're recording properly. Is it like more often than not something happens spontaneously that does take it in a different direction? Or how frequently is it that what you're recording is like really what you pre-planned? Um, well, so that that's kind of part of the, I was telling you like my history of kind of learning more about production by being in the studio and collaborating. Um, with I don't know, it can go, it can go either way, I guess. Um, there have been moments where we, I mean, generally the songs stick to the framework that I've come up with. Yeah. Um, but there have been a couple songs that I hit a wall and I said, you know what, let's just get in the studio and just together come up with something. Yeah. Just a bunch of heads together. We'll yeah. And honestly, um, some of the biggest hits, you know, are a lot of the biggest hits in the world are like, you know eight, ten producers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like... Like one person has credit for writing, but if you really dug in there, it took a lot of people. Yeah. Like, yeah, there'll be yeah. like eight or ten producers on a song. <laughs> like, uh, like, you know, they get credit for some idea that they had on it or whatever. Uh, sometimes I get too stuck trying to do everything myself. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, it's a challenge that it's like... Um, trying to uh, grow as a musician you know to take more ownership over the production process yeah doing like weird like making sampling weird sounds and like tweaking them to make cool weird sounds on yeah, the recordings the like that's the stuff that like doing stuff like that I think there's a name for it but I don't remember what it's called but basically, I like Peter would come up with like, let's drag these chains on top of the snare or something like that. Oh yeah, to like um, like layering in some kind of effect yeah. to it. And so then I just started getting into like, well, I want to make up my own weird sounds and put them on there myself. You know, I would and imagine. Oh sorry. One funny one was that David bought this uh, xyl xylophone thing or whatever, like yeah. the metal one. Like for kids, yeah, and I was like, "Why did you buy that?" So he, we have sampled. Um, he put zip ties on a drill, 
and I just sampled it. He wanted the xylophone in the song, which I didn't want. So I just took this drill with zip ties and ran it across the, I made a scale, like a C minor scale, and was like and it's a random sound. And, and it was a great sound. <laughs> I was like, the xylophone made it. Glockenspiel, that's it, a glockenspiel. A glockenspiel, okay. What, what, so what song is that in? That, oh, that's on the newest song, um, Passion. Okay. The new, the Keep song. an ear out for that. We'll see, <laughs> listen to it and see if we can identify when the power drill comes It's really comes buried in. in the mix, but just like fun <laughs> stuff like that. That must um, be really fun. Like learning to do those types of things by myself. and Yeah. Um, and like you said, how at the beginning you would be in there just watching and observing and then finally you felt like you could speak up. But I would imagine like it probably takes a while to come up with to learn the vocabulary people are speaking about about auditory things to even like be able to speak up and point things out that you yeah, want to do. Like you have to have sure. the way to describe what you're thinking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Makes going. The thing is, is for us, it's like we track music to play live so we can get the new songs on stage, but the, the, the levels and the mix and everything for the actual recording is different. Okay. So it's kind of like doing two things where, you know, we track, the songs out for live, which can be a little sloppier, sloppier mix. Uh, but then, like on an actual recording, you gotta really like check everything and make yeah. sure it's like you know sounding perfect, especially this type of music because, um, you know, that's just the nature of it. Yeah, it's all about all the different sounds and experimental things. Yeah. So you are these newer songs. You have been playing them live. Some of them, some of them we're still writing. Yeah? So, yeah. And it's going to be another EP, does that mean four songs? Yeah, okay. yeah. Four or five. Four or five. We keep pushing our release date, <laughs> but... I wanted to ask you about, um, I mean, too many things, but... So your aesthetic, so at some point you won, in the Connect, you won the best of the best music video for um, your song, Symbiosis. Um, and that video, and then this other one called Miami, you have a very cool, I mean... The visual aspect is so much of it, like just the effects in the video and the look of it and your costumes and everything. And I just wanted to ask you a bit about like you and David working together. Like you must have a lot of pop culture kind of influences that cross over. So you guys are, you like this, uh, like the vibe that you're presenting visually is this really strong thing. Um, I mean, yeah. So the video for Symbiosis was done by our friend who lives in Atlanta, um, Britton Richter. Uh, he came and did that one, and we did have Erica from House of Strut style us for that video. Nice. Um, so we did have a lot of help with that one. Um, probably why that one won an award. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, and my friend from New York, my roommate from New York, she's the dancer in the video. Oh. Like we flew her down to dance. I love that. Yeah. So she's like a, she's like an Easter egg from your past. Yeah, yeah. I know she's one of my best friends. Um, and then the Miami video. Speaking of, we were talking with a break editing over iMovie. I made that over iMovie. Oh, you did. Yeah. How? So I just took all the because before the pandemic, we would play in Florida quite a bit, mm -hmm. and we played in Miami a bunch of times. And so every time we were down there, I would just take videos of stuff. Um, some of it just for myself, but then other, at some point I was like, I want to make a video for the song. Yeah. Miami, it literally was just like iPhone. Okay. <laughs> iPhone videos that I strung together yeah. in an iMovie. You 
in yeah with various backdrops wearing like a gold lemme yeah as a bathing suit yeah 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 exactly so um so yeah I basically had all the clips and then I then I had David record me in that gold, <laughs> gold swimsuit and that was the only like actual singing and then everything else was just our different okay. uh, trips down there. So what that, is your, so the, and the song is like an ode to Miami. What is, what is you guys' connection to Miami specifically? Um, just that uh, David and I early on discovered that we both love Miami and the beach there is so beautiful yeah. and it's like a way to feel like you're getting out of the country without having the like hassle of getting out of the country. Yeah. like hey Miami's not that far from Savannah compared to where we both used to live up north um and so we yeah. just try to get down there for, yeah. and um yeah so and Miami like for me I always think of it you know it has this whole like the 80s Miami Vice thing the aesthetic of it and like the art deco hotels there the architecture yeah. is like a really specific thing so yeah you guys like you and David you just seem to have this very maybe I'm projecting but that I imagine you guys both liking a lot of 80s pop culture and like the way that you know technology looked back then and yeah you know, video, like the look of it and the colors and things like well, that. well that might be a little more me yeah. than him but because <laughs> even just the like he's visual more, effects in your videos is very yeah. 80s looking you know well yeah I mean that's really that's really more my my uh not my aesthetic it's just my idea is it like because it, it fits with the music? Yeah, because it fits with the music. Yeah. I feel like um, the music is pulling from that that um, late 70s kind of disco influence with post-punk, new wave, synth pop, like all kind of mixed together. Yeah. So um, I just feel like the aesthetic should kind of go with the sound. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, are some of the, what are some of the bands from that area that you love? Um, so basically, I don't know. I mean, I did love a lot of like the, like synth pop, new waves. Yeah. Like, I was thinking of the cars. I love the cars. Yeah. So much. All that stuff. Uh, I loved like more gothy stuff too. Um, I, I really just had a big variety of influence. Yeah. Well, like, and I think, you know, we do have some darker songs and, um, but lately we've been trying, and even during the pandemic, we wrote some real kind of like dark songs that we sometimes will play on stage, but like we won't play too many of them yeah. because it's kind of like when we get booked, it's kind of expected that we play more like dancey stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think just coming out of the pandemic, at least for me, I want to have a more fun, celebrate celebrate life celebrate love celebrate um the things that are good because there's so much negativity out there and like if you dwell on everything that's wrong with the world like you really make yourself sick and not want to like get out of bed yeah you know and with the political climate and everything you know i just i made myself sick 
So I wanted to start focusing on the joy. And then, you know, when we were able to get out and start playing again and like every, like interacting yeah. again with one People another. People can be out in public again. Yeah. You know, everyone wanted to have some, like at least the moment of the interaction of the music on stage with the crowd. It's like we want to have just half an hour, 45 minutes of feeling good yeah. and forgetting our problems. People really miss dancing like, yeah. during the whole pandemic. I'm sure young people who are used to like being in cities and going out clubbing, you really miss that. There's all yeah. two years without it. So, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of wanting to focus more on exploring like what makes us feel good versus expressing or addressing like the darker subjects. Yeah. Um, but I can play like a clip from our second EP uh, of like one of those songs that's basically a guy I dated one time was like well my father always said you know you can only rely on yourself because like in the end you only have yourself and you know I thought about that a long time or I've thought about that you know again here and there and I mean in a lot of ways it's true and so this song is questioning that, especially when you do feel betrayed or let down by someone that you care about in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, so this song is kind of examining that idea of like being, are you really just alone in this universe and in this lifetime? So what is the title of this? It's called Just Alone. Okay. <laughs> set so the band first started I would just track everything but then we started writing stuff where I would start looping and at first it was like a actual guitar pedal and I would like hit with my hand um, but then I we bought this um, RC 505 uh, that has like it's like a six channel five or six channels um, loop pedal that you can actually store pre-recorded tracks in and also do live looping in okay and so that song that's e second ep with symbiosis and just alone they were like songs that we written like at, like as looping songs so live i would play each part nothing was pre-recorded at all it was like i would lay down each layer um one step at a time and, okay and like you know, hit the pedal and lean down the next and the next and the next. So they're more like complicated, basically. Not complicated. It's just kind of like a layered, I think it's like a layered ostinato. Like 
you have one line that just keeps repeating the same part and then you put another line that's repeating the same different a different part yeah and you make these layers of repeating parts um and that's and so that's cool in a way but it also kind of locks you into that that one structure so that's why it was better when we got um this other pedal because then you could trigger like a different section that you had pre-saved or something like that so so things can change throughout the song yeah instead of just being one yeah so that's why that second ep is kind of the same going through the entire each song oh interesting because they were written on with the looping in mind and everything and then when we went forward from that we're like okay well we don't just want to make those kinds of songs we need yeah, to yeah. still have sections and choruses and verses, you know, like normal songwriting. Yeah. You know, so the second EP was kind of transitional a little bit. Like it was a stage that you got to, and then you jumped onto a different stage after that. Yeah, and it was also kind of like an experiment in that, like layering. Yeah. Of like one like layered ostinato, like one repeating line. And tell us, okay, this is probably very basic, but when you use the word, and then I, I tracked this. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, like you put it like record it in the computer okay. or into the pedal like I could pre-record things into the pedal too not I don't have to use a computer and just save it on the pedal cool with this new pedal like you can save how it. many things can the pedal save a lot yes. <laughs> I just wanted to get all this basic stuff in there for everybody <laughs> yeah no I it's so interesting to hear just all the technology associated with this kind of music I think is fascinating yeah I mean because you've got to replace like you've got to take a five-piece six-piece band, four to six-piece band, and make it two people, but still make all the sounds. Yeah. So, you know, you got to figure out how to do it. Tell me about, just switching gears a little bit, tell me about your guitar. When did oh. that When did that come in? <laughs> that so was, cool. like, too much free time in the pandemic and, like, looking on the internet. Oh, is it like, that recent? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Like, yeah. So, yeah, just to, like, dig in further into your 80s new wave vibe. It, well, right? so... Was it always, like, a dream? Like, you have to have a guitar. Well, again, like, the evolution of the band started with me just behind the keyboard and behind the percussion, and then um, then I started... We had a couple songs where we tracked everything out where I played nothing and I just sang and stood in front of my setup. Mm-hmm. Like, I came from behind, like, the table, as it were, like, and just sang. And then people were like, oh, I love it when you just come up to the front and sing. Oh. But, I mean, I don't want to just sing. I'm not, like, a person who just sings. Like, I, you know, I write all these all these parts. Yeah. So, yes, like, so I want to play music. them. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I started thinking about a synth, uh, the guitar because it was a way that I could still be up front but still get to play and not have to you know like during the interludes and stuff if I'm not playing I have to like try to dance <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a lot of stress yeah, a little bit um you know and also I, I don't want every song to be just the tracks going and me dancing like I want to play along with yeah, David you're live playing something. Yeah, yeah yeah so that that's where I got the idea of bringing that in so that way because before, if I was in the front, I'd have to run back to my keyboard if I did want to play something. Yeah. Um, so this album, playing live, like how easy has that always been for you? Have you always been really comfortable or were you kind of stage fright at the beginning? Um, uh, singing in front of people has always been a lot easier than playing in front of people. That was always, that's always been a, like a little more nerve wracking about like hitting a wrong note or okay. like 
my singing, I just, oh, you know, and as a kid, I would like do choir and stuff. So, um, so yeah, but it's fun. We love performing, me and David. Yeah. And so that's like what we missed in the pandemic. We kind of lost some inspiration because the playing live was like an inspiration for us to keep writing. Um, like seeing how people were reacting to the songs. Not even see, you just, just a feeling, mm. you know, a feeling of like, just a feeling of when there is a connection with the audience. Um, and like, uh, you know, some people, I'm not like a real techie nerd or whatever. Uh, it's just, I had to learn to be more that way to, to, to get my ideas across okay. in the way that I want to. So it's like, I've always been performing that was the longest I've ever gone since I can remember that I wasn't out playing gigs. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, it, some people are real, like, homebody. Like, they want to be nerding on their computer and recording things. Yeah. And, like, that's... that's the Doing that is just a vehicle... For me, has been a vehicle so I could perform. Oh, and, and share my ideas. Yeah. Uh, my musical ideas. Um it's yeah so when the pandemic hit and there wasn't a reason to do it i wasn't like some people wrote whole albums yes like i like taylor just, swift yeah i think she wrote one every day <laughs> yeah you know and like um well i'm not going to compare myself to like some mega star like that but just even like more indie musicians like myself wrote like whole albums and stuff but you know i mostly just like was depressed <laughs> yeah no that's the same I mean also in like the visual art community locally some people produced a lot during the pandemic and some people like shut down and couldn't and then after the pandemic did it's yeah really fascinating just how differently people got through it yeah I mean I definitely just started taking more time to learn more about um like engineering and and stuff yeah. like that but I I only released one song as a result I mean it took a really long time yeah. working on it. What so. were the I came across online? You had some um, quarantine concerts. Mm -hmm. Is that some like performances you guys have previously done, and then you released them, or what was that? The quarantine concert was something in Tybee Post Theater. Well, the one we did was at Tybee Post. Okay, but they, I think they I, Michael Gaster was in charge of that, and they were had different locations where they did it. Um, and they, it's something that he set up. Um, and I tell you, it was so scary to get out of the house and go do that. Yeah. <laughs> Even just, you know, everyone was socially distanced and like masking and like sanitizing yeah. and everything. Like Pre-vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was like spring 2020. Oh, wow. It was right at the beginning. So what is this? You went to the theater and like kind of performed live, like live to an empty, empty room, room with okay. someone had a, a camera that uh, live streamed it. But like, I mean, it was yeah, it was so weird. To, yeah, it was so kind of sterile. Yeah. Um, and that was so early and everything. That must have been. Yeah, so I was scary. so scared. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was a cool experience. Um, to, to play there, I think um, he had mentioned that maybe at some point we'll do like a quarantine concert, like all the bands that oh. that did the live stream would yeah. come together for a show. But oh my God, I, I love that. Yeah. That would be like, what was that in the 80s? 
was it Live Aid or Band Aid or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody back together. Yeah, I should I should follow up and be like, hey man, let's yeah, do that. You thing. should do that. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, plug my friend uh, submit her Le- uh, Lexi Belowing her Savannah Stage Company. They're doing I think a Patsy Klein night. I'm gonna go to that. Wow. At a you post. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What is that? Pause February February eleventh, I think. Okay, that's the Patsy Klein. Yeah, it'll be um, you'll have memories of when he went <laughs> and did karaoke and then left again. <laughs> no, that was at the Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to just, like kind of finally, uh, you're in another band now, the Maxines. A whole oh different yeah. Vibe. yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. You're in a girl. Is it like? 90s inspired yeah Yeah. so um so yeah we started the Maxines uh AJ uh AJ Gray local artist in town she wanted to start a band uh, all-female band and so we got Coco and Maddie they're twins from Canada on guitar and um drums and uh we've been playing out we started our first time we played out was December of 2021 okay so we've been playing out for a year and writing our own music and we just went in the studio this weekend and working on our uh first release oh that's exciting yeah so this is your this is your first time going into the studio and working on things with people who aren't just you and David yeah so I, I found online that the first um live show you guys played was like 90s covers that was yeah sort of major thing that's yeah kind of fun <laughs> yeah, that's where we started, and um, but now we have our own sound, um, and I'm really excited. Um, we're going to be releasing some singles before we release the full album, but um, that's great. I think that people will, when they hear the full production of the songs, they're going to be pretty surprised. Um, will you have um, videos to go along with any of them too? Yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna do yeah. the whole whole yeah. thing. So so yeah, I'm um, I'm excited to hear the final product. We're working yeah. with um, Scary from Black Tusk. He's got a studio oh, uh, yeah. a little outskirts of town towards Rinkin. Okay. Um, he's got a nice setup there, so he's he's recording us. Okay. Which I think we will be releasing a single in the next month or so. Great. So, um, you want to talk about anything else coming up for you that we should keep an eye out? So, as far as shows, um, the Maxines are actually playing a fundraiser on the 25th at the Wormhole Breast Cancer uh, Awareness and Fundraiser. Okay, wonderful. Um, so, there's going to be a bunch of bands. I don't know the rest of the bands, but I would say definitely check the Maxines Instagram. I'm sure we'll be posting a flyer with like the lineup, but it, it is a breast cancer fundraiser. Okay. And then Barrow Barrow's next show is actually um, March 4th at El Rocco. So, um, yeah, we're taking some time just to get some new material to share with everyone. Yeah, and And we'll keep an eye on the Instagrams for both Barrow Barrow and the Maxines for these releases. Yes. Can't wait. Yes. Um, Well, thank you. This has been so fascinating. I've loved hearing all the technicalities and vocabulary that you have i love seeing the guitar the guitar in person (laughs) and thank you so much i'm um, really excited to hear these songs when they're released awesome thank Thank you you so much for taking the time veronica thank you next up on wruu that old savannah magic from 4 to 6 p.m it's a variety show featuring savannah history radio theater interviews and music 
You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.